Welcome to Riverbend Church's podcast, and thanks for listening. Riverbend is a church in Hernando, Mississippi, that is focused on our calling to restore the community around us. For more information, visit rbhernando.church. We hope you enjoy the message. Well, good morning, Riverbend. Um, it is a uh, it's an honor to uh, open God's Word with you this morning, and I know that um, as you sit wherever you are, and as you are uh, worshiping uh, there, maybe at home or um, even abroad, um, we can come together as a faith family and we can worship our great God. So if you have a copy of God's Word, please turn to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. We are going to spend our time this morning uh, looking at this last chapter of James' letter that he wrote to the church. So James chapter 5, I'll start in verse 1 and I will read all the way through the end of the chapter, verse 20, and try to draw a couple of observations for life and faith. So read along with me in your copy of God's Word. and I'll start in James chapter 5, verse 1. Come now. You rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted. Your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded. And their corrosion will be evidence against you. And you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Behold. The wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned the murdered of the righteous person. He does not resist you. Then he changes to a new subject in verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brothers, and until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, Be patient, being patient about it until it receives the early and late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of the suffering and and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the, the purpose of the Lord. How the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. 
Is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain. The earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Heavenly Father, as we uh, spend our time, these moments this morning, um, in this passage, would you speak? God, would you speak to every single one of us for every single one of us needs a fresh word from you. God, we love you. Thank you for your provisions. Thank you for your sustaining us in good times and in bad. Father, as we meet this morning, would you speak? I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. The question for us this morning as uh, we begin might seem to be a little weird just because of the way that it is coming to you, but the question or questions come this way. What are you looking at? Or maybe what are you looking for? What are you looking with? As James starts the end of his letter, as he turns that final corner and is marching home, so to speak, to close out his letter in James chapter 5, I believe that James asks this question to himself as he writes because he wants his audience, he wants the church, and I believe God has kept it for you and me. He wants us to look forward to something, not just the here and now, not just the present, but to look forward to something. And that something is the return of Christ. I don't know how many times I used this growing up, but uh, it seemed like every time there was a science fair, I did something with the human eye. Whether it was opening and diagramming it out or whether it was bringing in a television and just walking through what a corneal transplant looked like and explained it. Um, I was fascinated and still am fascinated with the human eye. And the human eye is a part of your body, my anatomy, your anatomy that does not change in size from birth to death. Our ears continue to grow, our noses continue to grow, but the eye is the size that it is all the way through life. The human eye can see 10 million shades or colors. If the human eye was a camera, 
the megapixel number of the human eye would be 570 plus megapixels, whereas our great phones of the day, which is how I'm coming to you right now, are in the 10s to 12s to possibly 20s. It is a fascinating piece of our body. And as we look through our eyes, not just at the words that are on the page, but as we go through this life and our focus on this life, James challenges, encourages his audience, his church. He encourages even you and me to look forward to something, not just at the present day, but for future days. A couple of observations this morning for us from the passage. The first observation is this, life matters. Life matters. In verses 1 through 6 and even down to verse 7, he is sharing with his congregation that life today matters. How you and I respond, how you and I live, how you and I talk, how you and I walk, how we go through our days in this life, they matter. He uses that if in this way. He gives an illustration of a rich person and he gives an illustration of how the body, there in verses 7 through 12, the church is to live as well. So we see these two illustrations. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. The picture that he is painting for this church and for us today is such that the way that you and I live out our days today matters. This group is probably a group of people that are outside the church. This group is a, is a group of people that this church sees on a daily basis, that they walk up against, that they live life around or amongst, and they have seen how they treated others. Possibly James has been asked about this, and he is responding back to the church in this way. In essence, he is saying, be careful how you live today. Be careful how your days are lived out. They lived in luxury here. They they lived in indulgence. There was indulgence. There was luxury. There was a sense of entitlement. And this group of individuals had their focus all on the now, whether it was the garment that they were wearing, the bank account amount that they had, looking down on others that they thought they were better than. And James reminds the church, how you live your life today matters. Riverbend, how you and I live our lives in this moment today, this week, matters. You've laid up treasures for the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers that Mowed your fields, you've kept back by fraud. How you treat others, how I treat others matters today. Whether it's indulgence, the luxury, or even the fraud that has been shown in this passage, how you and I live out our days, 
it matters. Why does it matter? It matters because this life is not the end. This life is just the beginning. You and I are created beings of Almighty God. We have souls and we will spend eternity forever and ever in one place or another. This physical life, 70 years, 80 years, 90 years, if we are blessed, is just the beginning. And how you and I live it out matters. These statements are made in light of this fact. As James writes this, he wants to remind the people there in verse number 6, you have condemned the murdered and the righteous person He does not resist you, but the judge there in verses 7 and following is standing at the door. So Riverbend, know this. God, the judge, was close in this day that James wrote there in the first century, and He is even now close to us, and He stands at the door, just as He did some 20 centuries ago. As James wrote, he does the same today. The judge is standing at the door. James speaks of being patient there in verses 7 down through verse 11. He speaks of not grumbling. And this was the second look, so to speak. There was one group on the outside, and then there was a look at the inside, the body, the church. And in in that look, he says, don't grumble. Be patient. Not grumbling by looking past the present conditions that one finds himself in and look and focus on Jesus' return. Let me read for us verses 7 down through verse 8. It's this, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of the suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Verse 11, Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. The position that you and I find ourselves in today. We find ourselves quarantined, so to speak. We find ourselves scattered, for the moment, but this position that you and I find ourselves in, living in this nation, in this state, in this town, you and I live in those places, they're all from God, and we have been blessed by Him. But what is coming, James wants to remind us, what is coming is even greater There's even a greater nation. There's even a greater state. There's even a greater town. There's even a greater position. And have your focus and my focus be on that instead of on this moment and this day. 
James drives the point home with an illustration about a farmer. I believe farmers are some of the most patient people. They have to be patient. It is a part of their job. It is woven into their lives. They sow seed early in the year. They put it in the ground, not knowing if there's going to be another frost, not knowing if there's going to be rain, not knowing if birds are coming in or other varmints are coming in. They sow seed in a segment of the early part of the year, and then they work. And as they work, they are waiting to see sprouts come out of the dirt. Then they wait some more from those, for those sprouts to bud. And then they wait some more for those buds to flower. And then they wait some more for those flowers to bring forth fruit so that they can reap the crop. James understood it. James saw it. James writes about it for you and me as a word picture of how you and I are to be patient in our lives. How you live today, how I live today, it matters. Don't live in arrogance. Don't live with haughty, arrogant eyes. Don't live looking at Just today, live patiently with one another. Don't grumble. Paul writes it this way in his letter to the uh, church at Philippi. Do all things without grumbling and complaining. All things. Things that you like, things that I like, things that you don't like, things that I don't like. Do all things without grumbling and complaining. So whether it's taking out the trash for the 14th time this week that wasn't even your trash, do it without grumbling or complaining. Whether it's homework, making up the bed, doing a task that the boss is asking you to do, do all things without grumbling and complaining. Do not grumble, verse 9 states, against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. James reminds the church, and may I remind us, how you and I live our lives matters. Look for and focus on the things that are coming. What is coming? The day of the Lord is at hand. Verse number 8 states, the coming of the Lord is at hand. The judge is standing at the door. It is close. Look for His glory. Don't set your focus on the things that are temporal. River Bend, be content with what you and I have and where you and I find ourselves at this time. Follow Him. He will lead you, lead us through the waves, through the valleys, through the viruses, the heartaches of this life. Do you see a need around you? Meet it. This life matters. He says, be patient with, with, uh, with one another, brothers, and, and take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and how He is merciful. If you and I see needs... 
Be compassionate for those needs. Be merciful. Show mercy toward those who are in need. And then he closes out this segment, verse 12, but above all, my brothers, don't swear by either heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but, but let your yes be yes and your no, no. If you say you're going to do it, do it. If you say you're not going to do it, don't do it. But whatever you say, yes or no, stand there so that you may not fall under condemnation. Follow Him and He will lead you. All the while, as you and I understand that life matters, all the while remember how you live today and how I live today. It teaches the next generation what matters. How you live now matters. And James urges you to focus not on the things of today, but on the things that are coming. A second observation, and I will close our time out with this observation this morning. But the second observation is not only that life matters, but prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. Let me read verse 13 down through 15 or 16, and let's just talk about prayer for a moment. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith, the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So in these last moments, let's just talk about prayer. There is a different prayer for different times. There's all different types of prayer, but, but there are different prayers for different times in life. And James understands that and he tells the church, he teaches the church, he shows the church about that. He tells them, hey, if you're suffering, let him pray. If anyone is cheerful, then let him sing praise. If anybody's sick, let him call others, the leaders, the elders of the church, and let them come and pray over him. Let them come and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. So some questions. Are you suffering today? I think in those moments that you and I suffer in those moments that you and I face hardships if there are any other moments in life definitely in those moments in life you and I turn to prayer James understands that the church of the day understood it the church that James was writing was writing he was writing in the midst of a government of an empire that was coming after Christians they were suffering they couldn't put food on the table because of their beliefs in many cities and regions. James understands that and he says, hey, are you suffering? Pray. And in that type of prayer, what were they asking for? I believe that they were asking for what the psalmist wrote of in Psalm chapter 77. Let me read a few verses out of Psalm chapter 77. And just look at this prayer. I cry aloud to God. Aloud to God. 
and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When, when I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot even speak. I consider the days of old, the, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night and let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the, Lord, will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has His steadfast love forever ceased? Are His promises at the end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has His anger shut up His compassion? Then I said, I will appeal to this. To the years of the right hand of the Most High, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. The psalmist continues and finishes the psalm just praising God, even in the midst of suffering, in the midst of heartache. Are you suffering today? In the midst of that suffering, are you praying and are you crying out to God and are you trusting that He is present in your time of suffering? Why are you suffering? Are you suffering because of the actions of others? Pray. Or are you suffering because of gospel conversations, gospel convictions that you have? Pray. Are you suffering because of your own actions? Self-infliction. God says pray. That prayer is found in Psalm chapter 51. That prayer is in Psalm 51 is the example of David being found out in his own sin and the suffering and affliction that he was going through because of his sin. And he prayed, and he cried out to God, please create in me a new heart. Return the joy of my salvation. All because of sin. Are you suffering today? Pray. Some of us find ourselves in the year 2020 on a mountaintop. It has been a great year. It's been a great first quarter of the year. If that's the case, are you singing praises to God? Praise Him for those great times of cheerfulness, of joy. Times when you don't have wants. When needs are already taken care of. Praise Him. Then the question is asked in verse 14, Is anyone among you sick? Is anyone among us sick? Let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. I know for some of us, we look at that sentence and our eyes focus on that last phrase, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And we're like, we're Baptists, we don't do that. James is trying to get across to the church a couple of things about this part of prayer. One, the focus is on prayer, it's not on oil. The focus is on prayer, 
and the one that we are praying to is the Father. The, the adding or anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, oil was a symbol of the presence of God. It was a symbol of blessing. It was a symbol of the Holy Spirit. All throughout Scripture, Old Testament and you alike, it were, you can look at oil and you can say, oh, that's blessing. You can look at oil and you can say, oh, that's the presence of God, was close, was on him, on her. The Spirit was close. All three of those symbols are seen throughout Scripture. I believe God allowed this to remain in Scripture for us today for a number of reasons, but uh, let me draw one or two out. One, for us to be reminded that uh, it's not just for the charismatics. It's not weird. It may be foreign to our practice, but it's not weird, and it's not just for one group. It's for the church. And might I say, if you are sick today, call me. Would love to do this for you, to pray for you, to pray for you as an individual, to pray for your family, to be there for you as you are walking through this sickness, to anoint your head with oil in the name of the Lord. There are a number of us in the congregation, in the body today that are sick. There are a number of us that need prayers for healing. Prayers for healing for things that have been way in the past. Prayer for healing for things that are happening at this moment. Are you praying? Have you asked your life group leader to come around you, your life group as, um, as, as a group to come around you and pray? Have you asked us as a staff to come and pray? Ask us, we'll come pray. But the focus isn't on the oil, the focus is on prayer, the focus for the body, for you and for me, is to pray in suffering, to pray when we're healthy, to pray when we're sick, to pray when we're cheerful at all times. You and I are to pray. James closes out where we will pick up, Lord willing, next week, turning that prayer into a prayer of faith. Prayer of faith. I just want to read the remaining verses of the passage, and then I want to lead us in a time of prayer. But here's what he says, and the prayer of faith, verse 15, the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Who will be forgiven? The one who prays in faith. Who's the object of the faith? The object of the faith is Christ. If you and I pray in faith, he forgives sins. Your sin, my sin. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. He gives an illustration of Elijah. Elijah was a man like us. He had a nature like ours. He prayed fervently that it wouldn't rain. It didn't rain for three years and six months. Then he prayed again and it rained. And the heaven gave rain, verse 18 states, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know 
that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Warren Wearsby stated this about prayer. Prayer can remove affliction. And and that's what we want. When we pray, we just want the affliction. We want the hardship, the heartache. We want the pain to go away. And prayer can remove affliction because God can do that. But oftentimes, Wearsby states, prayer can also give us the grace that you and I need to endure troubles and use them to accomplish God's perfect will. Oftentimes, God allows you to continue to have the heartache, to continue to have the pain. He continues to allow you and me to walk through the suffering. As James closes out the book and kind of ties a bow on the letter, it ties us all the way back to the first few verses of the book when James says, hey brothers, count it all joy when you go through various types of trials. Prayer can remove the affliction, but oftentimes prayer gives the grace that you and I need to endure the troubles and the affliction, the heartache and the trial. As you and I face this pandemic, as you and I face the quarantines, As you and I face the separations, the sickness, as you and I face our kids because we don't get to give them the opportunity to go to school this week. As you and I face this, uh, may we pray. May we close our time today in prayer. This morning I received an email asking the church to pray and for specific request. Um, I will state the four and then I will lead us in a time of prayer. But the first is this. The request is to ask God. Ask God in His mercy to stop the pandemic and to stay and to save lives, not only in our communities, but around the world. And uh, particularly in places that are unequipped medically to deal with the virus where you and I live, if there is any people that are equipped to deal with the virus, we are. But ask God in His mercy to stop the pandemic. Second request, pray for the president and other government leaders, international, federal, state, local, to have wisdom to direct us in the best courses of action for prevention and for care. For us to pray for our leaders and that God would give them wisdom over this matter. Third, Scripture states this, teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. So pray that the Lord would give us wisdom in this moment of fear as the foundations of what we know might be shaken that others would realize how fragile life is and how real eternity is. And that they would see their need and turn to God. And fourth and final, 
the request would state, states this, ask God to protect our missionaries, their families around the globe using this global crisis to advance His good news to the whole world. So let me pray for us, lifting these requests up and lifting our body up as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, You have been good. You have been good in the past, just as the psalmist wrote in Psalm 77. I look to Your works in the past. You have been good in the past. Father, even in this moment, this present moment, You are good. You're good to us. You have met need after need after need. God, we we are in a moment of uncertainty. We, We don't know what all is coming and the the force in which it is coming. But God, You are greater. You are greater than than any nation. You are greater than any illness. You are greater than any pandemic. May our trust be in You. May it be greater than the fear of unknown illness. God, I pray for our leaders. I pray for the doctors the researchers that are seeking to to fully understand this illness and others that, that grab a hold of us with those tentacles and don't let go. God, it is a... Uh, a scary moment of just uncertainty as we see this wave going across this nation and other nations across the globe. God, I pray for wisdom for those in leadership. I pray for wisdom and understanding for those in research, for the doctors that we will see in the coming days and weeks. God, would You... Keep them healthy so that they can continue to see patience. God, would You work. Lord, I I pray for for us to have compassion, for us to be merciful, for our eyes to be open to those around us that we might see needs and might be able to to meet some of those needs. God, I pray for um, missionaries around the world. There's 3,700 International Mission Board missionaries outside of the U.S. and Canada. There's another couple of thousand inside the United States and Canada and Mexico through the North American Mission Board. God, all seeking to share the great news of Your Son Jesus to a world that doesn't know You as Savior or Lord. I pray that in this time of uncertainty, God, You would use them. Father, You would use us as a body of believers right here in Hernando and DeSoto County to share Your love, 
share your love to our neighbors, to share your love to those that we come in contact with, searching for daily needs. God, you would use us to bring glory to your name. Because that's why we're here. That's why you've left us here. That's why you continue to sanctify us for that reason. To speak greatly of you. So God, I ask all these things in your son's name. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, in that prayer, I, I stated, and in the verses I stated, hey, if you see those that um, have needs, be compassionate over those needs. Be merciful in those needs. If you see needs around you, um, I know that um, a couple of our teachers have uh, stated to me, hey, here's, here's a possible need. Um, I know that I have students, and I'm kind of, worried about those students because they come in for um, free breakfast and, and reduced or free lunches. And with them being out now a second week, um, or probably possibly more than that, um, I, I'm fearful that they're going to get the nutrition that they need. If you'd like to help in that, um, or you know of some students, some families that need food, just daily care, um, please let me know. Let our staff know so that we can uh, reach out um, or let us help you reach out to, uh, to meet some of those needs. Or maybe there's other needs that come up in this time. Just let us know. Um, we want to be compassionate. We want to help meet those needs and show mercy and grace um, in these days. Uh, thank you for joining us. Look forward to uh, having you back soon here in the building. But until then, River Bend, you're sent. You have been listening to the latest message from Riverbend Church. We hope you enjoyed it. Live Sim.